All right, this is InfoSec Decoded number 82 with Metaverse Real Estate. And I'm going to start with an update on Windows. Microsoft Windows, we've been talking about Windows 11 has been more and more rude, forcing people to use Edge when they don't want to and uh, making it difficult to change your browser. And um, if you try to download Chrome, it will pop up a box and say, oh, no, don't download Chrome. Chrome is no good. You want to use Edge. Edge is lots better. And uh, so now they finally backtracked a bit. I thought it's kind of funny reading this article on The Verge about it. Um, they make it sound like Microsoft went to a lot of bother and wrote this different interface so you can change your default browser when that is the one they were forced to do by court order when they got sued in 1998 for locking out um, other browsers. They were specifically forced to make exactly this window, which came out in XP Service Pack 1, saying... Uh, you can easily change a non-Microsoft, choose a non-Microsoft browser. That was what they were ordered to do by the court. So now they're pretending this is a new thing. They went through a lot of work to develop. Whereas they recently decided to deviate from that court-ordered thing. Anyway, so Microsoft does seem to be somewhat subject to pressure. And um, I got another one here about RTF files. Um, RTF files are supposed to be very simple, like text files. And some... Uh, Apparently, corporate um, filters let them through, but you can put hyperlinks in RTF files that automatically load when you load them, which apparently was not commonly known. In the properties, in the formatting, you can put a URL and it will automatically load code from that URL. So this is a way to sneak code onto a machine in a file that was considered safe. So that's a, that's a good trick to know. Yeah, I'm thinking this requires a project. Well, it might, you know, Bubble Boy did it, I think, like 20 years ago. But, but anyway, um, all right, so Caitlin has got no killer robots. Yeah, what I know. What's going on with that? I yeah, know. So, for, so a bunch of hippies and nobodies are, for whatever reason, calling for a, a ban on killer robots. Um, and this is coming from The Guardian. Uh, this is an article by... Uh, the AFP in Geneva. Uh, and so what's going on? So yeah, so these hippies and nobodies are all like, oh no, we don't want killer robots killing us. Oh no, we're, we're dorks. And the US came along and said, wait a minute, you know, um, we're, we, don't, we don't really agree with this for some reason. Like, I don't know what it could be. I don't know why the U.S. would be against building killer advanced robots. No, they're against not building killer robots. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, they're they're against not killing the advanced the the killer robots. So yeah, they yeah. yeah, for some reason they think they think that they should have the right to build these killer robots, and I don't know why that could be. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I this has been uh, one of the big lies of computing for for many decades, back to the '60s. One of the reasons they get funding is they always promise we're going to make robot soldiers so you don't have to send our boys off to die in war. That's a huge funding thing. It is. And I mean, okay, so, so I have talked to people at Raytheon. And yes, they are building robots to do yeah. killing people and stuff like that. And But you, you're right. I mean, it's, it's better to have our modern world is much better than previous worlds where if you went to war, you would send off people to just die and leave their families, mm -hmm. you know, to fend for themselves and, you know, be without a, 
you know, a lot of people die. So a lot of families go without mothers and fathers and kids yeah. and stuff. Uh, nowadays it's cyber warfare, which I mean, makes it easier to go to war, but you know, no one's getting hurt <laughs> really. I mean, a few people might end up on the wrong side of a, a nuclear um, a centrifuge or something, but, um, but most people are not going to actually get hurt. And, you know, having robots fight each other is, is a far better proposition in my opinion yeah. than having real people go and shoot guns at each other. Yeah. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Anyway. What could, yeah. What could possibly go wrong with giving uh, sentient AI control over our defense systems? Especially the stuff we had last week where you were talking about the AIs that can actually like breed and reproduce. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Robots can reproduce now. Yeah. Re reproducing AI robots that have control of our defense systems. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Exactly. It'd be a glorious utopia. All right. So Alan, have, have you got sound? I don't know. Have I? You do. You do you have sound, uh, Alan. Great. Well, why don't you tell us about these Missouri health uh, mash match dates? Yes, indeed. So, of course, uh, Missouri, like many states that have a Republican governor, have uh, has been very strongly anti-mask, shall we say. And mm. it's always framed as a matter of personal liberty and freedom. Well, the interesting thing about Missouri is that uh, the office of Governor Mike Parson, Republican governor of Missouri, actually went out of its way to ask the State Department of Public Health to do a study on the effectiveness of masking. And so starting last, um, last November, well, I should say um, this November, uh, the Department of Public Health in Missouri compared the infection rate in states that were, or excuse me, in counties that were mandating masks versus counties that were not mandating masks. And they found that in fact, there was a significant, statistically significant difference. And that masking, masking counties had on average 15.8 cases per day for every 100,000 residents versus 21.7 cases per day for every 100,000 residents in unmasked counties. And so the evidence was certainly there. However, the Department of Public Health and the governor's office buried the story, even though they had shared the information and they knew that th there was clear evidence that masking was effective. And they sat on this information until uh, some news organizations filed a sunshine request to get this information released. Yeah, this is so why I think the free press is the strongest part of American society. Uh, well, I don't know how strong it is in all cases, in all situations, but at least as far as this is concerned, yes. That's really quite common that they, they do a study and if they get the wrong answer, then they try to bury it. I remember right. uh, Pfizer wanted to fund a study of illegal um, Viagra clones, but they said we want control to only publish it if it proves that that stuff is unsafe. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. And uh, so I've, this one I was very interested about. Somebody has been running thousands of Tor relays for years, enough that they can actually de-anonymize a large portion of the requests and they finally caught them. So um, they call this group KAX17 and they carefully do not attribute it to anyone. 
This is a Catalan Simpanu article on the record. Um, but it obviously must be a major nation state to do this. The, the loads are all over the place. They keep replacing them with more. And they have been flooding the Tor network since 2017 with so many uh, nodes under one person's control that they can anonymize a large portion of connections depending on what your information you're trying to steal is between 30% and 5% of connections. So this has got to be the NSA or Russia, I would think, or China, NSA or China, I would think would be the obvious suspects. A nation state actor, I think, is the only person that could do this. And uh, we've heard many rumors and suspected that the NSA can de-anonymize Tor, but I think, um, anyway, it's very interesting to see the chapter and verse on it, that if you, since Tor is a volunteer network, you could just volunteer to run a bunch of nodes until you're running a large portion of the nodes, and then you could de-anonymize some of the traffic. Um, and another one here I've got is the ghost guns. A 13-year-old boy was selling ghost gun kits. Apparently, these are now all the rage. You just buy a kit. It includes some tools. You can just build a gun. They say it's no more difficult than putting together a Lego desk you might, or a desk you might buy at, uh, at Ikea. And um, so he sold them. And then when somebody ripped him off, he tried to shoot them and missed and killed his sister. So now he's on trial for murder. But the cops are pretty upset. The number of these ghost guns has multiplied by factor four in just a couple of years. And uh, so they're the handgun registration and serial numbers and everything are not very effective when everybody can just build an unmarked gun from a kit and the kits are easy to get. So um, on it goes. Anyway, and Caitlin has got uh, more people attacking satellites. Right, so The Independent has an article by Adam Smith, not that Adam Smith, um, when it's alive nowadays. Yeah, he's a little too yeah, old. Yeah, a little too old, so yeah. Um, so basically, Russia and China are, are running cyber attacks every single day, or at least the U.S. is complaining that Russia and China are running attacks every day. And most of these are reversible. So uh, they're running things like laser interference, uh, radio wave interference, uh, cyber attacks, and they can recover. Uh, but the United States is extremely worried that a lot of these countries are going to start developing uh, kinetic, more kinetic weapons uh, that can... And as we saw last week, uh, these kinetic weapons massively in, increase the amount of debris in orbit, which creates a hazard for other devices and could potentially make orbit unsafe, uh, yeah, low Earth orbit unsafe. Uh, so the United States is saying, hey, you know, other countries, you really have to cut out this space warfare thing. In other related news, the United States is planning on unveiling a new space weapon pretty soon that can destroy a target spacecraft in the Earth orbit. Uh, a kinetic weapon that would leave kinetic weapon. Yep, yep. We're planning. We've announced we're planning to do that. We're planning on a new space weapon that can yep degrade and destroy a new spacecraft. That that'll be the United States is is unveiling a new one. Too soon. Well, that that kind of messes up all our like giving Russia grief for having a weapon like that. I mean. Are you claiming that the United States only puts its own interests first over other countries? Well, I also <laughs> not even sure it's in the U.S. interest. I mean, it's getting. I just read that they uh, they canceled a spacewalk because they decided there was too much junk in the way, and then they just had to readjust the orbit of the ISS to dodge an American piece of junk. So I really think there's enough junk up there, and nobody should be making more. Yeah. Especially China and Russia. But for some reason, maybe but, not the United States. But why is it okay for us to make more junk up there? Because you're overthinking it, Sam. 
I mean, if we developed a weapon that didn't create shrapnel, like a cyber attack or a radio attack, that's obviously a much better way to go. No, no, we are, we're, we are, the United States is unveiling yet another space weapon to take down target spacecrafts pretty soon. Well, I do not approve. Details of which are forthcoming. Well, I hope they don't test it out. Well, anyway, Alan has got a new RISC-V processor. Or so I thought. Are you there? Alan is on. Oh, now I'm here. Now I'm here. All okay, right. good. Uh, so Sci-5, which is one of the leading RISC-V design houses located in uh, Silicon Valley, of course, has announced a new CPU, which is called the Performance P650. Well, excuse me, it's not a CPU, it's an architecture for a CPU, which uh, anyone can license for a price. And what's remarkable about this one is that it's intended as a desktop CPU, and it is apparently pretty uh, powerful. It's, um, it's perhaps not as powerful as the, you know, the best uh, CPUs out there, but it's uh, designed to um, be on a seven nanometer process and it outperforms the ARM Cortex A75 chip by 31% according to Sci-Fi. So that's pretty good. That's, that's not the latest uh, uh, Cortex chip, but uh, that's, that's still a pretty good performance. And so it looks like, at least according to the press releases, RISC-V is getting closer and closer to parity to ARM. So now the only matter is to wait for somebody to come along and actually produce the silicon. So it'd be several years before we actually can buy anything running this. Well, I don't know if it, it would necessarily be several years. It could just be a matter of a year or so. Okay. Well, good. And uh, so I got more cryptocurrency links as usual. So there was a smart contract bug. A lot of the latest hacks of smart contracts have been cross-chain contracts, which I'm studying, and I'm probably going to have projects about them pretty soon now that I've, I've got my Bitcoin projects pretty much under control. And the cross-chain contracts have two tokens that are exchanged one for another. And this one here was Mono X Finance, and they had a um, token. There was You'd have token going in and token going out. And when you do an exchange of one token for another, the that changes the price of one of them. And what they didn't think about is if you set the token in equal to the token out, then every exchange causes the price to go up and it overwrites the price of the first one and it creates a feedback loop. So the price skyrockets really high. So you could uh, send in tokens of a coin and on their chain, it would decide that the demand is going really high and the price is going really high. So somebody did that. And suddenly their tokens became incredibly valuable and then they stole a pile of money. And they have uh, sent messages to the hacker asking them to please give it back. Because remember a, a month or two ago, someone stole 600 million and just gave it back. So apparently they have some hope that somebody will do that, which I highly doubt. <laughs> but uh, it's just incredible how much money is in these blockchain projects that are just poorly written, poorly audited. And some of them have been through like three audits and they still don't catch anything like this. So the the science of hunting for bugs and solidity contracts is very immature right now. And this other one stole 119 million from BadgerDAO. And I would like to know more about this because they did not compromise the smart contract. They found their Cloudflare API key. 
And they said by using their Cloudflare account, they were able to add malicious JavaScript to the page that popped up a box and collected people's wallet addresses. And I'm not really sure how that would work. I mean, Cloudflare just echoes data from your server. Anyway, it would be nice if we hear more details about how that happened. But um, anyway, these uh, if you're going to do anything in the crypto space, be very, very careful. Uh, there's an incredible number of scams there. Anyway, Caitlin has got uh, Germany getting people to get vaccinated, or, yes. sure, or hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully they'll get vaccinated. Uh, they're they're going to face some pretty serious consequences. So CNN has an article written by uh, Nadine Smith and Frederick uh, Pletgen, which is a quite a wonderfully German name. Uh, so Germany is making vaccine shots compulsory because they're having some outbreaks of COVID. And not only that, but they're putting people who are unvaccinated under lockdown. So they're going full force in you know, forcing people to get vaccinated, which you know, is, is a bit of a controversial idea. We'll see how it works. I, I think it's good that Germany is acting as a, a test bed to see if these sort of um, ideas, these, these sorts of policies actually work uh, before we start implementing these draconian vaccination policies elsewhere. But it's going to be interesting to see how, how Germany responds to this and if it actually improves the vaccination rate. Because I imagine the people who, are, who don't want to get vaccinated um, either, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this does not apply to people who cannot get vaccinated you know, due to medical reasons, but the people who don't get vaccinated probably, you know, will do everything in their power, even, even with the lockdown, not to get vaccinated. So we'll see if it's even effective. Yeah, I know I was um, reading other articles and I was surprised to observe that the vaccination rate in Europe and Germany is no better than the U.S. From, from living in the U.S., it seems like we are especially stupid, stupider than other countries, but apparently not really. Um, well, it depends on the country. Spain and Portugal have very high vaccination rates, over 90%. Yeah, there's a few that do. And there's a couple of United States states that have high vaccination rates too. But, but I think on the whole, um, the other, everybody else has similar anti-vax, anti-mask movements, and they're similarly popular. Yeah, not, the, the, yeah the, the U.S. does not have a monopoly on, on dim-wittedness, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right. And Alan, uh, you've got the metaverse real estate. Yeah, it's only been a few weeks, it seems, but already there's a real estate boom or rush going on in the metaverse. And this is an article from the New York Times. So it's either a puff piece, a promotional piece, or I don't know, maybe it does describe some kind of reality. But uh, apparently there are entities out there that are buying and selling properties in the metaverse. And um, well, first of all, I don't really understand the first thing about the metaverse, including the reasons why it must exist. But apparently some people out there do, and uh, they're already buying and selling properties. I don't know how you claim a property, but you can, supposedly. And then um, some of the early players have already gone through some consolidation. So one early player just sold a 50% stake in itself for only $1.5 million, which is barely a boat payment for its founders, I'm sure. But um, at least that's something. 
you know, that's that is real money. It's not just cryptocurrency money. Yeah. Well, I mean, the metaverse will be on NFTs, and the question will be if you have like one that dominates. But uh, they're already selling real estate all over the world. The one that Facebook pushes will presumably dominate. And then it'll be, I guess, like Snow Crash. Everybody will hang out in the metaverse, and owning property in the metaverse will be of some actual value. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's got a catchy name. It's called Decentraland and Crypto Valley. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, it's no less substantive than a lot of these, um, these uh, property developments in Arizona. Well, remember, this all happened with the um, Second Life 20, 10 or yeah. 20 years ago. And, and in fact, the first millionaire in Second Life was a real estate magnate selling land in Second Life. And apparently those properties can still be visited. Yeah. <laughs> They're still there. And there are a few squatters, too, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it's more or less like Snow Crash. It's kind of real. And I think... Uh, one of the good points here is the, the, the COVID lockdown, which appears like it's going to just be forever, greatly increases interest in the metaverse. This is true. COVID's great for the metaverse. Yeah, and it doesn't seem... I was just listening to Andrew Yang's podcast, and he said, you know, it's clear with the Omicron variant, and there's going to be endless variants coming after it. We need to get over this idea that we're ever going back to normal. This is just going to be the new normal, and you're going to have to like wear masks when you go out and carefully choose what you do outside and carefully evaluate your risk. Uh, I just don't think anytime soon we're going to get back to the old world where we just casually fly off to go to a conference every week or two. Anyway, and the last thing I got here was uh, Magic Dirt, which I think uh, this hit Rachel Maddow is really pretty entertaining. This guy has been selling this dirt for like a long time, digs up the dirt and sells it as health food and claims it's full of like something valuable. And um then he also runs a marketing company and says, I can teach you to sell things. I sell dirt. I can teach you to sell anything. But then it became really popular and the anti-vaxxers got it. Um, and the QAnon people got it. They all, it's a multi-level marketing scheme where you sell dirt and the people below you sell dirt and you get some of their profits. So people are encouraged to make more and more extravagant claims to sell it until they start claiming all sorts of extreme things like it will cure your heart disease and everything else. And the founder said, wait, stop saying that. Stop saying stupid things like that. We're going to get sued. And now they got all sued and shut down and wrecked by the uh, various medical establishments that said, you can't make claims like that. And so now he just closed up shop and stopped shipping out the dirt. And now the whole MLM scheme has got all these intermediates who have already paid for dirt and already taken money from customers to provide the dirt. And there's no more dirt forthcoming. So it seems to me like an enterprising person could find another source of dirt but that doesn't seem to be happening. Anyway, um, it's recommended that you do not take the dirt instead of the vaccine, even though there are people, in fact, doing that. Anyway, uh, all right, that's it for this one. We will be back on Tuesday.